0: All right, well, I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you for your kingdom this morning. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to invest in the nations. And we ask that you would continue to um, just pour out resources through this house, um, both in finance and in bodies, (laughs) Um, that we would continue to see um, people raised up and sent off to the nations um, from this place. We thank you for that calling in this house to be an Antioch training center, um, to be a place of sending. And we ask that you would um, just give us wisdom uh, on where to go and what to sow into, and that you would put a passion on our hearts for the nations, that we would carry the same passion that you have um, for people um, in every culture in every place. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. So living from his presence... I'm actually, the theme is living from his presence, and it's kind of cool we did the missions video because I want to talk about um, the passion of Christ and living from his presence with the perspective of the passion of Christ. And so we get to see this little, you know, missions video right before, and it just gives us a little glimpse of the passion of Christ for the nations. And, you know, whenever I'm watching, uh, you know, that missions video, I'm thinking about the people that they're impacting in each of those places, you know, those little those little kids with their little cute cheeks. And I mean, ever, anybody ever been on a mission trip and you, you like get those little cheeks in your hands? Ugh. I remember my first time in college, I went down to Peru on a mission trip, and I I took pictures of those kids, and I kept those pictures for like 15 years, and I'd still go back and look at them sometimes. Those little cheeks, you just I love it. Ugh. So, anyways, I like to think about that, and then. I was also thinking during worship, I was thinking about uh, over the years the different um, confirmations and encounters I've had with the Lord that have brought me to where I am today. And just, you know, I I call those big E encounters. Like we have, like our, you know, you, you can get in a rhythm, which is, which we need to, which is that daily rhythm of I'm encountering the Lord, I'm listening to Him in my devotional life, I'm in the Word, I'm asking Him what He's saying, I'm You know, I'm not very good at journaling, but sometimes I'll take notes. And those are really important. But then every so often we'll have these big E encounters where the Lord does something dramatic in our hearts. We receive a revelation. We, um, you know, we get touched by the spirit. We receive um, a calling that we didn't know about before, an anointing that we hadn't seen and a gift. And those sorts of, um, um, you know, confirmations of sonship and identity and value. And I was just doing the worship thinking about how those big E encounters have been so important in my life to establish the validity of the gospel, right? To establish the, um, the reality of the truth of the gospel. And when I was a freshman in college, I, I remember I grew up in church, um, and I, did, you know, I had an encounter with the Lord when I was 18, like the first real encounter with the Lord. And I remember getting into college and being bombarded with the reality that it was no longer just me following my parents' faith, but I had to find my own way, right? I had to, I had to say, is this, is, this, is this true? Is this what I believe? Am I willing to lay my life down for Jesus? And so I, I you know, had a season there where I was processing that and praying, and, and the Lord was so faithful to meet me and encourage me in that season. And, and passion is born out of those seasons. It's born out of those places where revelation from, from the Father touches us, and then we say, okay, that, that is the reality that, that I'm going to live my life for. And Paul talks about this. Um, maybe I'll get there in a second. Actually, I want to I bring up this really cool um, picture. Do you have that pulled up there, Debbie? Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 2.10. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So we're his masterpiece. Has anybody seen this online? Anybody? Raise your hand if you've seen this. It's such a cool... We, we Christy and I saw this the other day, and I was just like, oh, this fits right in. This fits right in with what I'm talking about this Sunday. We are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. And this is a... Um, a animation that was done by some um, researchers at Stanford University in collaboration with an animator from Harvard um, University, and it's a eukaryotic, eukaryotic, I am not a science guy, somebody is, eukaryotic cell, thank you, I have no idea what that is by the way, there we go, so it, it is found in lots of different life forms, including plants, yes, and animals. This particular one is supposed to be an animation of a human cell, um, but this is this is as de- this is as close as science has gotten to the inner workings of a cell to this point. Isn't that cool? What, this one, this is just a uh, a slice of one cell, and they. Um, they, they have a cross-section, that's what they call it. It's a cross-section of one cell. So if you were to just, like, look, you know, right through one little section of a cell, that's what it is. And that's as, that's as close as we can get to seeing what all is in there. So who knows? You know how atoms are. You get deeper, and then there's, like, you know, there were atoms, and they're like, oh, we discovered atoms. And it was like, oh, and then there's subatomic particles. And they're like, oh, and then they're like, oh, and then there's these uh, quark or whatever they call them. Quarks. Quarks. Quartzes? Quartz. And then, then they're like, "What's after that? Who knows?" Because we can't see any farther. But, but we are God's masterpiece. You know, little plug for intelligent design here. Um, I'm gonna give a Albert Einstein quote. Albert Einstein was not a believer, by the way. So I'm not you know, validating his philosophy on religion or anything. But he made this quote. As a scientist, he made this quote um, back in um, 1936. He was um, responding to some school children that had written him a letter. And in his letter, he responded back. And he basically said, "I, I don't believe in religion. But he said this, everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe a spirit vastly superior to that of man, and one in the face of which we with our modest powers must feel humble. Isn't that cool? So this is from a, a, um, I think you might call him a deist. He, he believed in God in a sense of there was some higher being out there that created everything, but he didn't believe he personally interacted with our lives. Uh, but I'm here to tell you he does. And that's what today is about. It's about passion for him. And just these little, you know, proofs that we find in science are just so cool to build our faith in, in what, what and who God is. And so there, there are some, you know, let's talk about what keeps us from passion for God. There, there are some, I call them spiritual blinders that dull our senses so that we don't live with the passion that God wants us to walk in for who he is and for his purposes for our lives. And so I want to read uh, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. This is Paul speaking about our identity in Christ. He said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. So we're following, when we're when we're living in a worldly mindset, right, a natural man's perspective, we're living in passionate desires and inclinations of sinful nature. Okay, so two things. What is sinful nature? Uh, if any of you have heard a word study on sin, you know, the, the kind of the basic definition when you go all the way back to the etymology of the word is it's a target that we're supposed to hit the bullseye on. And you imagine somebody with a bow and arrow trying to hit a target. And sin is when you shoot that arrow missing the bullseye. So that's what sin is. So it's, an, it's a deviation from what was supposed to be, right? Like God, God said, this is good. And then Adam and Eve said, yeah, but what about this, right? It was, it was missing the mark. That's the basic definition of sin, Uh, It also means um, not living up to the standard of the law, uh, specifically connected to the law. So God gives us a law, and we've all missed the mark on following that law uh, because of our nature, our sinful nature. So reasons that we live with spiritual blinders on and we don't walk in passion, I've got three of them here listed. Um, The first one is um, pretty straightforward, sinful lifestyle. So we get distracted with, sinful lifestyle because we have in our hearts so much brokenness because of the fall of man, right? So we look for value, but instead of receiving it from the Father, we receive it from what we can do, right? We receive it from accolades of people, right? I'm reminded of, um, you know, King Saul, right? He went and, you guys remember the story where he went and butchered all the cows and he lost the favor of the Lord after that big battle, Against the Philistines. You guys remember that? No? no nobody was like, nah, I don't know what you're talking about. Where is this at? He, his men wanted to have a celebration for victory. And Samuel told them, do not, you know, do not sacrifice until I get there. And then he sacrificed early because his men uh, were upset with him for not. And so anyways, he loses the favor of the Lord and the kingship all right there. It, was a, it wasn't like that one action was the reason. It was like his lifestyle of pleasing men rather than pleasing God led him to the point where he was willing to make a really dumb decision in front of the whole nation. And then Samuel's like, dude, you lost the kingship. Good job. So we, we have these broken areas where we're looking for value from everything besides the father. You know, we're getting it from, from our um, abilities. We're getting it from um, what people think about how we look, what people think about what we do, what people think about our intelligence, what people think about, um, you know, the, the things that we're putting our focus on and our attention on. Sinful lifestyle. And, we, and then we we start comparing how we're doing to other people. And so it goes from trying to please men to... Well, now I need somebody to value me, so then I'm going to lust after their attention. And then I, now I'm jealous because somebody else is getting more attention. And then I'm coveting that person over here. And then, ooh, I got more attention than they did, and now I'm proud about it. Right? And we see all these hard issues of, of brokenness from sin nature coming out. And these things remove us from the ability to walk in passion for God because we 're so focused on what we can and cannot succeed in doing, does that make sense and it's just this trap of the enemy to get us to think and focus on ourselves instead of to think and focus on who he's made us to be and one of the one of my encounters I had several years ago when the Lord spoke to me one night in a dream I, I dream pretty often uh, it kind of comes in seasons and I was I was um, dreaming one night about praying for um, a couple of people that one was in a wheelchair and one had cancer or something, and they weren't getting healed in my dream. And I was so frustrated about it. And I was like, gosh, what is, what is the deal? Like, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm just believing. It's my dream. I get to heal them, you know. Like, come on, God. And I'm praying, and they're not getting healed. And the Lord spoke to me He's in my dream audibly. He said, Nate, the reason you often don't see things happen is because you believe in me, but you don't believe in you. You don't believe in you. And I woke up immediately, woke up, oh, you know, and thought, well, I probably should write that down because I don't even know what that means. Because my whole life, I had been so sin-focused in my walk, so self-focused that I couldn't separate myself from the old nature that I'd been saved from. And because I couldn't separate that, I couldn't see myself the way that the Father saw me. And so therefore, I couldn't live for him in the way that he was asking me to. Right? Jesus said, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I couldn't attain what I'd always felt at trying to attain, of living. I, w- I wanted to hit the mark, and I couldn't hit it. Not knowing that Jesus had hit the mark for me and was inviting me to act like I'd hit it myself. Right? To receive his grace. To receive his righteousness. To say, okay, now you've hit the mark, so I get to act like I hit the mark because you hit it for me. And that changes things. That changes the, that changes the privileges I walk in. That changes the promises I can receive. That changes the giftings that I can, that I can walk in and release to others. And so I, I started shifting from, I went on this about, about two-year journey of studying Scripture and learning about identity in Christ. And, and I went from walking in um, feeling condemned all the time to feeling valued as his son, and then I didn't need other people to pat me on the back when I did something good, and I didn't need to compare myself to how other people were doing better than me, and I didn't need to be jealous of how other people were going farther than me, and so it's this journey that we get to walk on in maturing in Christ, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, you still don't have moments. Right? We all have moments where we're like, oh, you know, I just really need some appreciation right now, you know. But but you you start with a base premise of I'm in Christ. Right? I'm I'm no longer following the passionate desires and the inclinations, the thought processes of the sinful nature. I have a new nature and I'm now following God with a passion because of the new nature, which I'm now stewarding in the way that I think about myself and the way that I think about others. Because if I can see myself valued by him, then I can see other people valued by him in the same way, and then I don't have to be upset with them when they don't value me. I don't have to judge them because they judged me. I don't have to criticize them because I'm not their judge, right? The Father's the judge. I just get to love them like the Son. Amen? Amen? Yeah, so sinful lifestyle. Another distraction is selfish ambition, personal agendas, and being overworked. <laughs> now, that last one, I started with that one a lot, but being overworked. But selfish ambition. We get, this, we get this idea that what our personal agenda is is more important than what the Lord's agenda is. And it's so easy to do, right, I I just, I love hearing these um, stories about, you know, the life of Jesus. Um, Ray touched on this a little bit. Oh, just you today. Ray, I'll pretend you're there. Ray. Maybe he's online. Anyway, Ray touched on this a few weeks ago about the life of Jesus, how he went through this period of uh, about like a six-month period where he was, Um, getting the disciples ready for his departure and he starts dealing with their heart issues that they hadn't really dealt with up to that point and they were in successful ministry and then he kind of turns it on them and he's like, oh, but I'm going to be crucified. So during this period, I I love hearing stories. I I hear stories even uh, nowadays with people that are going through this same um, principle in life where we have this idea of what success looks like and then we define success as the will of God. And so it it might be in, you know, finances. It might be in um, relationships. It might be in, um, you know, living conditions or where we want to be in life or how many weeks of the year I want to be on the beach in Hawaii ministering, you know, with Sarah Dillabo to those beautiful people. (laughs) Haven't quite pulled that one off yet, but yes and amen. (laughs) But we have these agendas and we have these ambitions And the Lord says, but I want you to pursue my agenda and my ambition for your life because it's better. It's better. It's actually better for you. And so instead, it's so easy to follow the track that the world walks in, which is more is always better. More is always his will in in the sense of what I can get out of life instead of what I can give. Like he actually wants us to give more. He wants us to, to walk in who he is more. And that sometimes looks different than what we see. And so you'll see this. You'll see people get into ministry, and they'll run so hard at acts of service that they won't spend time with the Lord. And then they'll get burned out, and they'll miss the will of God. Their own agenda to do what God needs done on the earth They'll miss the agenda of walking as a son and daughter and hearing what he actually wants to do. And so then he'll have to take them through these seasons, sometimes years, of laying everything down so that they can find him and be with him again before he lets them come back off that mountain and go back out and do ministry with a new heart. And we see it in business. It's, it's, um, I, I had a friend that was talking about a contract that he passed up because it wasn't, he didn't feel like it was the right contract for his business. Like, it wasn't, gonna, it wasn't a good fit for his client. And he was like, well, I know that I could make more money doing this, but I'm not going to do it because I don't feel it's right. It's not right for me. It's not right for them. And yet, the world's track is more, 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 more. If I can make more money, then that's what I'm going to do. Like, it doesn't matter who I burn. It doesn't matter what, you know, little unethical thing I have to do to get away with it. Right? If I can make more money, if I can be more successful, then that's the best thing. And then that agenda, and then you bring that into your relationship with Christ, and then you end up walking with that agenda above his agenda. And so you'll obey him to the point that you don't have to lose what you've put above him. Right? So I'm going to obey you, Lord. Oh, yeah, everything, 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 but don't, don't touch my, my cash flow. Right? Don't, don't touch that thing. I was um, talking to a friend of mine several years ago who was reading a book, an autobiography by a guy that had given away like five businesses, like multi-million dollar businesses. Because the Lord just kept telling him, he, he would get to a point and the Lord's like, okay, I just want you to give that away. And to be able to do something like that is such a powerful sacrifice. I mean, wow, wow, that is Powerful to say, okay, I'm just going to sow this because you asked me to sow it. It's having no personal agenda. It's having no personal faith in your own ability to produce results, right? It's saying, Lord, I'm trusting you that you're going to make a way where there's no way. And so it's just, it's just the, this beautiful principle that we can apply to so many areas in our lives. I mean, move it to parenting. Like this, I'm bunny-trilling big time here, but move it to parenting. You know, I want my children to succeed. And then you got a rebellious child. And then as a parent, you can kind of do everything in your power to control them, to get them back to Jesus, right? And yet the Lord's agenda might be for you to release them for a season. Gosh, that's scary. Might be that your spouse and you are having a really hard time and the Lord asks you to do something extravagant or crazy. And you're like, no, radical, and you're like, oh, but that's not who I am, or that's not what I normally do. Well, you just got to obey the Lord. That's our, that's, we follow His agenda. He's our king. And then our agendas come underneath that. Now, I believe that the Lord puts passion in our hearts that we're to walk out. It's just when those passions are submitted to Him, the power that we can see Him move in our lives this is incredible. Uh, one story in Scripture, and Debbie, I know I am bumping way ahead in the slides, but can you go to that 1 Samuel 1, 20, 1, 1 through 20? She's good. She's good. 1 Samuel 1, Uh, Hannah. This is the story of Hannah um, and um, Samuel. Samuel was Hannah's child, right? The prophet Samuel, like the premier prophet uh, in the Old Testament uh, during the time of the kings, that ushered in you know, King David and that whole thing, Samuel was like the first. He was like the father of these prophets. That And there were prophets before, and there were you know, awesome prophets after, like Elijah and Elisha. But Samuel was like the, the real first uh, prophet to bring in the kingship, and now you have that king-prophet dynamic going on. And anyways, Hannah was Samuel's father, but Hannah was childless. She was barren. And we could read, I guess we could, you know. Okay, go to the next slide here. Debbie, if you could just scroll on down. Okay, yep, so Hannah's husband had two wives. The other one, keep going. The other one was, I'm just paraphrasing here quickly. Um, the other one was always teasing her about not being able to have children. She was frustrated about it. And each year her husband Elkanah would go to Shiloh to worship for the Lord. And a little side note, they still have the, uh, they think they found the spot where the tabernacle sat in Shiloh. And you can still see the uh, boundaries of it on the ground. So cool. I love history. Archaeology, anyways. um, So, so you can like literally go and stand in the spot that Hannah stood, where she talked to Eli, the the priest at the time. And anyways, uh, Hannah went in there. Keep going, and she was she was crying out to the Lord um, in the tabernacle in that tent. And Eli sees her. the the priest Eli sees her and thinks that she's drunk. (laughs) So he goes over, like a good priest does, and rebukes her. You know. So keep going, and Let's see, Yep. keep going. All right, yeah, okay. So Eli was like in his customary spot. Keep going, Debbie, thank you. I know we're cruising through them. All right, so Hannah was in deep anguish, uh, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he's been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. All right, so if you'll look upon my sorrow, you could put the word passion in there. If you'll look upon what my heart's desire is, the burning in my heart, if you'll look upon that and you'll answer me, then I'll dedicate that passion to you. Right? So there is a place for personal passion, which I believe the Lord puts puts. Uh, mothering and a mother you know a woman's heart to be a mother right if if you'll do this then I'll submit that to you and so then uh Eli you can go to the next one Eli thinks that she's drunk comes over rebukes her yeah you see Eli's watching sees her lips moving and hears no sound he's like what's going on throw away your wine woman you know (laughs) must have had some good wine back then I'm just saying all right no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged. I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked woman, for I've been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request that you've asked of him. So anyways, after that, she, gets, she goes home. She gets pregnant the next year. And then after a few years, she brings... Samuel in and dedicates him to the Lord, and then his life changes the course of that whole nation. So cool. So cool. And then she would come, of course, you know, she would come and visit him and, you know, loved him and all that stuff. But, but you see this amazing submission of an agenda to the Lord's will. Lord, I'm so passionate about this, but I'm going to lay it at your feet. I remember when I was in college, I had, I had never played the, I played the guitar, you know, I never played the guitar until... I had an encounter with the Lord at 18, and then all of a sudden I had a desire to do worship. And so I, I was like, man, I need like an instrument, and so I got the guitar out, and I was like, I need to like play the guitar. So I would play four or five hours a day. I mean, I would just play the guitar all the time and started leading worship um, that next year and then, you know, been doing worship ministry after that for, you know, ever since for years. Took a break a few years back. But anyways, when I was in college, I was like at the height of – um, leading worship, like being a thing that I did regularly, and and so I was like, oh man, maybe I'll become a worship leader, you know, like as a profession. I don't know. And the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, I want you to lay down uh, worship ministry. I want you to give it to me. And I was like, oh. And I think I was reading the story of um, Abraham and Isaac at the time. And how he took Isaac up and you know up to the mountain, and he was getting ready to sacrifice him. And the Lord's like, no, okay, stop. And so I was like, I'm pretty sure the Lord's going to give it back to me because it's worship, and that's kind of like a big deal, you know, in our relationship. But I have to lay it down, like I got to lay it down. So I was like, okay, well, Lord, well, how do I do that? And He said, okay, as a prophetic act, which I didn't use the word prophetic act back then because I didn't know about prophecy yet all the way. But as a prophetic act, as an act, basically, as a sacrificial act, I want you to take your guitar and I want you to um, place it out. Under, we had this big wooden cross on our church. We, You know, I went to a private Christian university, and we had this big wooden cross. You remember that big wooden cross out in the, out in the yard? And he said, I want you to take your guitar, and I want you to put it out there at the foot of the cross, and you can come back and pick it up the next day. I was like, oh, it's like pretty nice guitar, you know, and I don't have enough money to buy another one. What if somebody comes along and decides they want it? You know, Lord, that's kind of, whew. It's kind of scary. And so he's like, but that's, you got to prove it to me. You prove, me that, you prove to me that you're laying this down. I was like, okay. So I put it out there, you know, and I was like, well, what time in the morning can I get up and come and get a, you know. <laughs> yeah, you ask detailed questions, you know, when you're really doing something painful. So anyways, I laid it down, and then the next morning I went back, and it was still there. And I was like, oh, you know, I didn't do that. But I was like, oh, thank you, God. <laughs> it was a big cross, you know, so. But I was just elated that it was still there. But that act really solidified in my heart that, you know, he was more important than than what I could give him, right? That worshiping him was more more important than me worshiping, right? Does that make sense? It's his agenda over my agenda. I love worship. I absolutely love worship. But then several years later, he actually asked me to lay it down for a season. And so I did for, you know, about seven or eight years, just laid it down as a, something that I did. And but I still worshiped at home and you know it was still good. But there are these agendas that we can walk in that if we place them above what he's calling us to, they end up becoming a hindrance. They end up becoming a distraction and they end up causing burnout in our lives. And we don't walk in the passion that he wants to put in us because we're still struggling with our own agenda. We're still struggling with accomplishing what we want. And then we have this goal and we set a finish line that is so um, its so self-focused and we make it almost a God in our lives, an idol. And we run towards it and it's not even the finish line that he has for us. Even though all the actions in the finish line look right, Right? It, it looks like that finish line is success. Wow, that's, you know, for me, it, it's like, wow, worship ministry. I could, I could make some albums and, like, really touch places and go to the nations. And, you know, that was. I was traveling to the nations. I was doing worship stuff and, you know, playing in front of, you know, a thousand plus people at a time. And, and it, was, it was neat, but it wasn't the finish line. The finish line wasn't worship ministry. The finish line is I give my life to Jesus. And what does he want? And it's like, you ever seen uh, a couple years ago when my kids were a little younger and uh, we used to go and watch their soccer games out at, at Truman Elementary and you got these little, little five, six-year-olds playing and they don't really understand the game. They just know there's a ball and they're supposed to kick it. You know, I kind of feel like we're that way sometimes in our lives with our motivations it's like, oh, hey, and then out's over here. I'm like, hey, it's like, where are you going with your life? It's like, oh. yeah, I don't know. And every once in a while, a kid would get get free of the mob. You know, we call it herd ball, not soccer ball. It's herd ball because they all clump together and they just, the ball just, you know, there's like 20 kids and or maybe not, they was like quite 12 or something. But the ball gets kicked over there and they all run over here. Uh, 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 and then it gets kicked over there and they all run, uh, 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 and eventually it kind of gets rolled into the goal at some point you know and then the parents are all super excited and you know i'm kind of like oh good you know so <laughs> anyways well, every once in a while a kid gets a lucky spot kick and it gets out there alone with the ball and you're like oh yeah awesome yeah go and so one day I was watching that, and one of the kids got broke free with the ball, and he was just going, you know. He had a, It was like here to the wall of a goal, and he was just on his own, you know, you know, messy in it, right to the end. Watch Lionel Messi, you know. I love watching clips of him. Anybody watch soccer, like, ever? It's like, it's not our sport. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of the few sports I watch. Anyways, uh, Messi's like super fast and super good. But uh, you know he breaks free and he's running with the ball. Nobody can catch him, and he goes down there and he scores, and it was on the wrong goal. <laughs> and everybody's like, eh, oh. "Okay, okay, all right, well, good try." You know and the refs like, you know and the coach is like, "What do you?" you know? But I kind of feel like that sometimes in life. We we're so we're so disjointed in our motivations because. We get distracted with this is surrender to God. And we see all these other goals out here that heaven's not rooting us on for. You know? Like, if they were surrendered to the Lord and the Lord said to do them, then heaven would be rooting for us. But heaven's not. Heaven's like, well, okay, yeah, do that. Great. There's no eternal significance in it if it's not done in submission to him. You know, you can do all the right motions and then if you don't, if they're not surrendered to Him, and He's asking you to do something else, then what did you know? What did you do? I, when I get to heaven, I want to go up there, and the stories that I share about my life with other people, I want them to have value in heaven. I want them to have eternal significance in heaven. I want to get to heaven, and after I've been there for ten thousand years, I'm talking to somebody, and they're like, oh. Can, you know, share, share that story that you told about, you know, that time you went on that trip and did this thing. And I'll be like, oh, it was so awesome. But because the Lord called me to it. I wasn't like, oh, I did all these things, all these amazing things. And then I get to heaven and he's like, well, that all burns in the fire because it wasn't, it wasn't what I had for you. What I had for you was a completely different agenda. It was the, some of the same activities because I put those passions in you, but a different agenda. It was surrendered to me. And so we we have to be so careful that we don't put our passion for our desires above his passion for our lives. Amen? That's why we call him king. And I know calling, having a king is a very foreign idea in like our political system, right? Like you think through history of kings and they had a lot of power and when you had a good, good king, things were really good. When you had a bad king, things were really bad. And so we we've seen the model of kingship on the earth and in the world's perspective, and it's been very negative trend because of the kings themselves leading. But Jesus is so good, yeah. and when we fully submit to His kingship, then He's able to do on our lives what we're not able to do on our own. Yeah. And we don't get we don't get the um, you know the republic and the vote and all that stuff like we do in our political system, you know. Like, we just have to say yes, or, or we say no, and then we, you know, go to the wrong goals again. But we have to say yes to him. Now, he loves our hearts, and he loves blessing us, and he loves to give us favor, and he loves to, like, set up little surprises for us along the way. But ultimately, he's the king. I I like to think about it, you know, I didn't get this until I became a parent, and then I saw the way that my children make decisions sometimes. It was like, you know, (laughs) a couple weeks ago, one of my kids was doing something just ridiculous, you know, jumping off of something, you know, just like really dumb, I'm like, you know, and he got hurt, and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, that's not surprising. You know, that's why I told you not to do that, you know, so, you know, I, you know, you try to play the sympathy card first, you know, I try, especially after I tell them not to do something and then they do, you know, try to play the sympathy card and then I'm like, now let's, let's be real, that was pretty stupid, you're not stupid, like, you know, don't, don't tell your child they're stupid, that's not good parenting advice, that was kind of a stupid decision, you are very smart, but that was just really, you know, let's, Maybe think through the next time you do that, you know. And it was something ridiculous. I can't remember. I was, gosh, I could probably think of it if I sat here long enough. But you know, like playing basketball in the house off the walls and stuff like that. I'm like, this is not really a good idea in the living room, you know? Right, Michael? Right? It's not a good idea. Like, oh, you got like one of them the other day got whacked in the head with the basketball because one of the other ones threw it at the wall and went boom, bam. You know? I was like probably not the best idea to like full force throw the basketball against the wall in the living room when there's another person in the li- like you shouldn't do it anyways but when somebody else is walking through the living room don't throw the basketball at the wall while they're walking by you know when they're four years old you know you're not stupid so i so the lord is saying that this morning you're not stupid i'm not stupid it's just sometimes we make decisions And he's scratching his head. He's saying, you really should have asked me about that. I have an agenda for your life. You were thinking about this. Not really a good idea. Amen? Yeah. So, I think I've nailed that coffin, you know. I think I've nailed that down. All right. Now, I have to skip ahead because I only have nine minutes left. Uh, Okay. Not gonna say um, Phil. I almost did. Um. It is surprising how often we say um. Have you ever transcripted something out and then seen how many ums were in it? <laughs> so funny. All right. Oh my goodness, where am I gonna go from here? Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Okay, I'm not doing that. Oh, I will give you a scripture. So we haven't had a good scripture up in a little while. First Corinthians nine twenty four through twenty seven. So I want you to think of this scripture in light of the topic, the context that we're talking about, because my natural mind, when I read this scripture, I think of, I think of um, striving. But when I read it from this context, I think of his purposes for my life and how good they are. So Paul says, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, duh, we all run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it, like in your life, it's the context, run so that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we are imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Disqualification looks like the wrong goal, right? The wrong agenda, setting something above him. Instead, I'm pursuing his goals, his vision, his dream for my life, and I'm finding that. Several years ago, I I find this principle so um, interesting in my own life because when I was 18, like, I grew up, and I was an introvert, and I, I was telling somebody last night, I skipped out on preaching class in college because I did not like talking in front of people. Like, I could have my guitar, and I could sing, and you know get a little excited and I might say something then but I did not like talking in front of people and I did not want to be around crowds like I was total I grew up on the farm you know a couple people I'd see all day long I was happy with that and so my my ambition in life was to be a farmer that did not have to be around people that was like it and so I was gonna get married and move out in the country and that was gonna be my life Well, the Lord calls me to ministry when I'm 18, and I was like, oh my gosh, like, what the heck is this going to look like? So, you know, I had an encounter with the Lord, and I said, okay, I'll do it. And I asked for a sign, I got a sign. I was like, oh, dang it, okay. And because it was like, you know, really costly for me, because, you know, first of all, I didn't really enjoy going to school, and I had to get a college, you know, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I didn't really want to work with people, and I have to work with people. And, you know, you want me to do what? So I go to college, and I get a ministry degree, right? And then I, um, you know, I'm doing ministry opportunities, working with a bunch of churches. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I obeyed. Here I am. And then about maybe two years after school, I start getting these prophetic words. You're supposed to go into business. And I was like, no, I'm not. Lord called me to ministry. That's of you know, the devil, you know. It's like, come on. And then you know, next prophet comes in. Well, oh, I just see a business calling on your life, and I was like, ah, I don't know about that. You know, well, after three or four of those, I was like, mm, I should probably pray about this. You know, what's going on here? So, as I prayed about it, the Lord was like, Okay, yeah, I'm calling you to something else, as well. I'm not saying you're not called to ministry, but you're also called to business. And, and I was like, yeah, but it's so worldly and money. I, like, I don't even like money. You know, it's kind of like that dream I had where I'm like, you know, you don't believe in yourself. Like, I did not believe in the value of money. And Christy can attest that I was not good at handling finances anyways. And so I was like, I despised money. Like, completely despised money. And the, and the Lord was speaking to me about making money. Like, what in the world? So I had to really submit that to the Lord. And then the Lord ended up bringing us a a business in 2009. And then we ended up getting into another business and another. So anyway, we were like three businesses in. And it's crazy because I'm finding that this calling for ministry and this calling to business have so much correlations. Like there's so many seeds that cross-pollinate. And there's so much opportunity In business to do ministry to people that you would never get to come into a church like I have had some employees and still do that you would not see coming into a church but I get to love on those guys I get to speak into their lives I had I had one of them uh, I've got this one employee that he's just I think he's been to church maybe once in his life and he's just really you know just not into it but he he told me um, about two months ago he said hey man I just want to thank you so much For hiring me and keeping me around and working with me, you know. He said, for the first time in my life, my dad, when I was talking to him the other day on the phone, this guy's like 40, you know. First time in my life, I talked to my dad on the phone, and he said he was proud of me. First time in my life. And, you know, I was just like, oh, you know. Like, what an opportunity. He's still not a believer. He's still, you know, still lost, but what an opportunity to be able to minister and to love on people uh, in an environment where they're not expecting it. It's like Jehovah Sneaky, you know. Mm. When they come to church, they're going to expect something to happen, you know. People are going to talk about Jesus, okay, but you get them when you're in the office or out on a job site, and then they're like, oh, I just, I've got this employee. So presently, (laughs) I want to give too many details away, but presently I have an employee that He was just in the office with me this last week, and it was such a cool conversation. But he's a bit rough around the edges. Super nice guy. I mean, just, you know, he's got a business degree. I mean, he's super nice. He's real rough around the edges. He's like, i got scars on my knuckles. You know, they're not there for no reason, you know. I'm like, okay, you know, just make sure I don't cross this guy, you know, ever. So, anyways, but he said, he was telling me, he said, I um, had a heart attack, and I Went to heaven while I was dead. I died and I went to heaven. And he didn't even call it heaven, you know. he's like, I went up there. Up there is what he says. I was like, okay. And I was like, I want to know, I want to know about it. What, what, you know, what was it like? And this is a rough dude. You know, he's, he's just, he's not a, you would not think that he knew the Lord at all. You know, I would say it that way. And anyways, he starts trembling, like his mouth, his jaws, like shaking. He can't even share about it. It's just so cool. I mean, the guy's just like, starts crying. You know, he's like, I, I can't, I can't talk about it. I was like, okay, so now I believe you. <laughs> you know, because before I was like, okay, like, were you doing some marijuana? And then, you know, were you on some really strong narcotics? Like, You know, but I'm like, okay, this is legit. This is legit. And he, he said, man, I just i was like well what can you say about it you know he's like well the peace i felt up there he said never experienced peace like that and he said when i when i when i came back he said i told my wife he's like i've never told anybody about it well, he just hasn't talked about it i was like we well, need to write it down that way you know i can read it at least but he said um i told my wife i want to buy a bible it's like i've never owned a bible in my life never read a bible didn't go to church, you know, I want to buy a Bible, I want two Bibles, two different translations, like, I want two Bibles, and he started reading the Bible, and he, it's like, I, he said, I figure, I figure he sent me back down, there's got to be a reason for it, so I want to find out what it is, so he's reading, you know, reading the word, but anyway, this happened a few years ago, and those types of opportunities, like, I could probably never get that guy to come to church, right, but I can meet him where he's at, and then help him walk that out in his life, Amen. And he'll probably have some dynamic ministry at some point, you know. I mean, he is like the least likely person to be a minister, you know, out of my employees. But I can see the Lord totally doing that in his life. But the Lord has agendas for our lives. He has purposes. He has plans. He has destinies for us. But they have to come together in submission to him. So we submit our passions. Like, okay, well, now I have a passion for business. Well, that's cool. But now I have to submit that passion to Him every day. Like, what are you doing? What are you? What are you asking of me? And and often the Lord will remind me, you know, if I asked you to give up all of your business stuff, would you do it? And I'm like, yes, I would. I would. It would be a really bummer to, you know, have spent all those years doing that and then, you know, not get some retirement out of it. You know, that would be nice. But yes, because my Life's purpose is to fulfill your plans for my life. You're the king. I'm not my own little thing over here, right? So I want us to just get a hold of that today. And we're out of time, so I'm gonna ask a couple of questions. You might pull your phone out and write these down and then ask the Lord these questions this week. Just a couple of pinpointed questions about this issue in our hearts. This is kind of, what I would call like checking the goal right you break free from the herd ball the ball's dribbling along and the kid should have looked up and been like which goal is my goal so we have to stop and be like okay Lord I've got I've got focus I've got energy I've got ability right now to really step out what's your goal for my life where's the heaven's purposes for my life goal. I want to turn that ball and go that way, right? So, first question, if I can find it. Here we go. All right, God, what is your passion for my life? Number one, what is your passion for my life? So just jaunt that down. All right, number two. What are some things? What are I should say? What are some passions that you've given me? Like personal passions, right? Like what are some passions that you've given me? So what are your passions for my life? What are some personal passions that you've given me? And then thirdly, I want you to ask the Lord this, and I want you to meditate on this when you do. Have I devoted my passions to your passions? Or have I submitted them to your passions? All right, and that's the big one, because we can recognize our passions. We can recognize his passions, but have I surrendered my passions to your passions? And I believe that when you can answer that honestly with a yes, then the Lord will begin to take your passions and use them to bring about his passions. Isn't that cool? But he can't use them until that happens. Like, we'll try and try and try and try, but we have to get to that spot where we've submitted it to his passion. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so Father, this morning, we invite you to check our hearts. We invite you to show us, give us a revelation of what you want to do in our lives. We know we've got a whole book of promise and story and testimonies. Of your purposes on the earth, but what do you want to do in my life? So we ask that you would reveal that whenever we make some time and ask, and and also I, we ask that you would remind us of the things that you've that you've put in our hearts that we're we're passionate about, and there might be some passions in your heart that you've stuffed down because you didn't think that they would ever come about, and I just want you to to be reminded of those like just let those come back up and then submit those to the Lord so this is a passion I have God what do you say about it what do you say about that passion is that something I should pursue just submit it to the Lord and, and I believe the Lord will make a way where there's no way he will make a way where there's no way I didn't know how to get into business it was like you know kindergarten or walking into college or something there's no clue what to do And the Lord made a way where there was no way. Put me in touch with the right people that helped me along. Got me the right vendors and clients I needed to make it along. So the Lord will make a way where there's no way. Amen? Yeah. So, Father, this morning we devote our lives to you. We call you our king because you are. We submit to you. We lay our lives at your feet. We pause today to look up and away from the herd (laughs) and see where your goals are so we can turn that ball that you've given us to steward towards that goal, the calling of God over our lives. And we ask you to give us the grace, the favor, the unmerited favor to walk out your purposes in our lives. We know that you've made us down to Every cell, a masterpiece. Our lives are not random; they're not accidents. The cosmos didn't accidentally make us out of prime, 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 primeval goo or whatever, whatever they say. You made us on purpose. You made us for a purpose. You made us even in your image. We get to be the only image bearers of our heavenly father in all creation I mean what an honor what an honor it is to be called your son and daughter what an honor it is to to be put in a position where we get to bear your name we get to call you daddy we get to call you king I thank you for the eternity that we get to spend with you Walking out your purposes for our lives. It's the best thing for us. Yeah. And everybody said, Amen. All right. Well, bless you. We're I want a few minutes over. Make sure you go get your kids. Don't leave them. Yeah, if there's anyone that needs prayer, can we get a couple of the uh, couple of the prayer ministry prayer teams up just to if there's anybody that's struggling with anything today, if you are got something that you're having trouble letting go of even, just come up and agree with someone that the Lord will give you the ability to let it go. If you've got any illness in your body and you need healing, just come on up and receive prayer for that. His purpose is for you to be healthy and whole. Amen? Yeah. All right. Bless you guys.